Porn Free Radio, episode 118. In today's episode, we're talking about redefining identity with Crystal Renault, coach and founder of Dirty Girls Ministry. Let's go. Welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast where motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn, get hope, and take action. Even if you feel lost right now or out of control, you can recover and live a meaningful life, free from shame and full of love. Now here's your host, coach and podcaster, Matt Dobschutz. Well, welcome back to Porn Free Radio. I'm so excited about today's guest, Crystal Renault. I followed her online for the last couple of years, and she speaks uh, across the country about pornography, and she speaks specifically to an audience of women and women who are struggling with uh, pornography and sex addiction. And she has a story herself of her own struggle and her overcoming that. And she started a ministry actually to reach other women. And there's just a lot we can learn from her. And I brought her on specifically to talk about redefining our identity, moving from the label of like seeing ourselves as an addict or someone who's broken and moving into wholeness and really embracing the new identity of what we're moving towards. And so I'm excited to get to this interview and I don't want to wait anymore. So let's just start it. Well, Crystal, welcome to Porn Free Radio. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> Listen, I've been I've been kind of a closet fan of yours for a while and I follow you on Twitter and I and before we talk about anything about related to pornography, recovery, uh, identity, I just wanted to say thank you for um, giving us Zobrist um, because he was he was in <laughs> Kansas City, won a championship. And I know you're a huge Kansas City Royal fan. And then he came up to Chicago here and helped us win a championship. And um, so I just want to say thank you right there. Well, you're very welcome. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we could help. I mean, the Cubs hadn't won a World Series in like, you know, a century. So it's the least we could do. And um, we do miss him. We miss him a lot because he was just a great guy and just, you know, solid just believer and stuff so he's a good guy yeah i mean he's a christian guy my my kids uh got excited by that he's not their favorite player though they they all they have different players that are their favorites but i kind of liked him and yeah. uh the only thing i if i had one criticism of zobrist and he's a great player all-star wonderful world champion is his walk-up music and walk-up music in in Chicago is really big. You know what music they walk up to, and his walk-up music is always his wife's music, and it's it's just a little like I get it. Your wife's He's trying a, too hard. Your wife's a recording artist, but every time we have to hear the same single for like I mean he had like hundreds of at bats, and I'm just like every time. So we get it. We lo you love your wife. We get it. Yes. We love your <laughs> wife. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, hey, let's let's get down to uh, you know, I could spend all day talking about this, and uh it's great to have you here. And um and the first question, I know you've been asked this, I know you've been asked this a hundred times, and I can't not ask this. How did you get the name Dirty Girls? This is actually the 101st time I've been asked this okay. question. Okay, the 101st and, time. Yeah. And 
Dirty Girls, it just came, it's a twofold thing, you know, it came out of just, you know, just, we may talk about this, but my own story, I know what it was like to be addicted to pornography. I know that as a girl, as a woman, I felt dirty. Uh, something was wrong with me. And that seems to be like the general solidarity among women who struggle this way is that they just feel dirty. And so we kind of took on the label. We turned it around, we, you know, basically like, let's, let's stand together. We are all dirty girls. Um, but then because we are a predominantly web-based organization, we get so much traffic to our site from people looking for porn. Right. You know, and so we get we kind of just catch them in the act, and they're like, oh, and they, you know, and they find us. So, um, it's it's actually we find more men that way than we do women. But at least like those men, we can refer them to other places of support too. But so that's, yeah. that's where it came from. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the odd things about what we do is like uh, the same with with me and Porn Free Radio. If you're on iTunes and you're, I don't know. Ch- testing the boundaries of podcasts and stuff like that i end up showing up for searches and um for free porn (laughs) yes or for whatever you know for for things related to porn yeah and and you know a good percentage of people find us that way so it's it is like kind of unique to our profession that that sometimes the the people the people who find us find us through covert ways so yeah exactly yeah i remember i would try to refer someone to you and someone said oh i don't know if i want to go to a ministry called that it was too it was too cheeky or too the name was too much i'm sure you've gotten some of that in the in the church world in the church world primarily there's the pushback um but you know what it's it's worked for us and hopefully someday the church catches up yeah well i like the fact that you're just owning it and um I was a ministry leader for years and I worked with men and women and, uh, you know, a good percentage of everyone who came to us had some struggle with pornography or online stuff. And, uh, God, the thing that I hated the most was every once in a while I'd be outside of our group and our group was inclusive and very warm. And there were a lot of people who were very honest and vulnerable and I'd be outside of the group and I'd be approached by like a male ministry leader and he would just assume that it was a men's group. He'd just assume that anyone who would come to my group was a man and that men's, you know, you've heard the old men's pornography struggle thing. You know, it's like the Absolutely. biggest, biggest myth in the church is that it's only a men's thing. And I, I just, mm-hmm. I cringed at that because men struggle with shame related to having a porn struggle, but add an extra level of shame what's like not only is there shame around porn but then supposedly in the church women don't ever struggle with it they're not supposed to right they're not supposed to so oh that's the worst i'm sure you've heard that before and and i've always been i lived it I'm whole... I, I i lived it as an addict and hearing sermons on sunday talking about men respect your wives and don't watch porn you know but they never talked about women at all you know about don't do it either, you know. So for me, as an as a teenage addict, I'm like, oh, I must be like a dude. <laughs> like, it must be something wrong with me because obviously this is a man's problem. Well, and you know what's interesting, and I think it's part of a generational shift too. Even when I was leading in the ministry, you know, I noticed that our younger women were coming in with more porn related issues. 
Um, the college women that were coming to our group were struggling with more different things, you know, with, with whether it was chatting, whether it was actual, you know, just watching porn, uh, erotic stories, all sorts of things. So people, you know, it's affecting everybody. And, and I mean, so I totally, totally get that one. Um, it was funny. I just got an email from someone this week, uh, a younger guy. And he said, Matt, you don't talk a lot about the struggle for teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted an episode more focused for teenagers. And I, I, I'm long overdue to do a good teenager episode. But then he said, by the way, uh, you never talk about women struggling with porn either. He was a guy, but he was just like he was worried about women getting the message who listen to Porn Free Radio that they're not important or that they that their struggle isn't important. And I said, well, actually, Crystal is coming on, so you'll have to stay tuned for the next episode. But I, I mean, I, I love pointing that out is that um, you are the first woman to come on to talk about this and uh, and you know, and so I appreciate you being willing to come on and, and share your story a little bit. Yeah, it's an honor to absolutely. I mean, I, when I first started doing ministry like this, I was like the one woman doing it. Um, you know, so um, there's more now, thank, thank the Lord, there's more of us who are, you know, coming forward and making this, you know, this is a real issue, y'all. And we had, we got a battle list too. And um, so any chance I get to talk about it. It's always a great honor. So I appreciate it. Hey, I had a question for you. So you're, so you're going to, to church, uh, being a teenager, you're struggling, you're hearing from the pulpit about men, men love your wives, don't look at porn. And you, and you're feeling like a dirty girl or feeling overwhelmed by that. What, what's the first thing that well first of all who's the first person that you kind of tell and really come clean with about this uh, the first person i came clean with um it w- i mean i struggled for eight years until i ever told a soul um and so it was when i was 18 years old just short of my 19th birthday i met a woman named ann some people know her as ann jackson or ann marie miller um she's an author and 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 speaker too but we met at church eons ago I mean I was 19 <laughs> um, but and she basically instead of just giving me like the nice Christianese version of her testimony and her story she just shared really boldly you know hey I was I struggled as a teenager with pornography and at this time she was like 22 23 years old and in that moment it kind of gave me the opportunity to say me too or I could have just walked away from that the whole situation and just pretended like that lady is a psycho and I'm not going to talk to her ever again, you know? Um, but thankfully I believe it was a divine encounter with her and that the Lord provided a way for me to have an outlet for it. Um, and to be able to share my story with her and say, you know, this is something that I'm actively struggling with right now and that I need accountability for. And I didn't know anybody else in the world as a female ever struggled with this. And so it was one of those like aha epiphany, like I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. I'm not, a, I'm not like some dude who like, you know, you know, <laughs> that is, is, you know, a weird woman or anything, but this is like a real thing that real women struggle with. And so through her, that was when I was able to really enter into recovery because of accountability with her. And so immediately in that moment, you never struggle with porn again, correct? Of course. <laughs> 
<laughs> Immediately set free and no. Just telling you, just telling someone the story. So what, I'm joking, but what are <laughs> yes. so what are some of the steps that you had to? Uh, what are some of the tools? What are some of the things you had to do in your life to to really start to press into this addiction and to get freedom? Obviously, it began with with accountability, having somebody that I could communicate with when I was struggling. At this time, you know, internet was it was coming around, you know, and there was limited resources, but there was Triple X Church at the time, and they had just come out with their filtering software, and so or the accountability software rather, and so we were able to install that and have that kind of accountability with each other. And that was really helpful because I didn't have a smartphone like we have today where I'm walking around with it. If I'm on the computer, it's mine and I'm, it's protected somewhat. Um, so having that, having that kind of accountable relationship was really important. But for me personally, because of some of the woundedness that I had had as a child, pornography was kind of being medicated like it was medicating those woundedness. Yeah. And so I, I had to go to counseling and really deal with some of the core woundedness that I'd had and kind of find healing there. Um, and through that healing, I found that even temptation was easier to overcome because I was no longer finding that I had to medicate. Right. You so know? as you're dealing with the underlying problems, some of the reasons that you would numb or escape yeah. with porn weren't, weren't there. Right. So it was like a twofold thing. You're using tools, but then you're also working on basically, you know, healing and, healing. and wounds. Yeah. And as you start to deal with those in a healthy way, the volume turns down on some of the porn and some of the, the Well, and you learn, you learn more healthy coping mechanisms, you know, things that are better for you instead of things that are going to be, that are going to ultimately hurt you. Um, and that's what I you know, came to learn through that, through my counseling experience. And of course, I'm a woman of faith. I'm a Christian. Um, and so for me, the third aspect of my, of my tool is always Jesus and really surrendering control of my life to him. Yeah. And, and by doing that again, it became easier. I mean, of course it's not overnight. It's not even the next day. I mean, it's, it's, it's a process and, but I do believe people can overcome this and not have it be something that's a forever burden. Absolutely. And so, okay. So there's been a lot of people who listen to Porn Free Radio who get some recovery and they um, they go on with their lives. They just sort of, you know, do whatever they were called to do and they, you know, they're a good teacher or they're a good lawyer, a good doctor, whatever they are. How do you get some freedom and then go, you know what? I need to write a book <laughs> on this and I need to just like speak and share my story over and over and over again. How do you go from just being a civilian um, in this battle, just working on yourself to I'm going to help everyone else and, and lead in this area? Well, every woman I talk to who I work with and help and, you know, walk along and recover with, I always tell her, well, someday you're going to be in the New York Times talking about your story. <laughs> And that's not true, but, um, no, and that's the whole thing. I, um, as a believer, I just feel like the Lord had set me on a trajectory, um, to do this as a calling on my life. But, um, when I was 19, so I really, really new into recovery, I actually was in 
well, I sort of was in college. I was enrolled in college. <laughs> I didn't necessarily go all that often. Um, just really didn't have any passion or drive or things that I really, you know, felt like I was really passionate about other than I dabbled in graphic design and I really liked that. And so instead of continuing with college, I actually applied for a job at my church and it was an assisting job, but they promised there'd be some designing work. And three months into that position, they basically created a communications department and I was it. And I did all of the graphics for the church, which is really exciting because to me it was like, wow, I get to like creatively share the most important message in the world, you know? So that's really cool. Um, of course, uh, no one knew my story. I mean, that was only Anne knew my story and Anne was actually on staff as well. And so that was kind of a fun thing where like I had like built in accountability every day with her as somebody I worked with. But over the course of several years, I was doing that job. Anne had moved away. And in 2007, it had come out that my pastor, who had been like my spiritual dad, I didn't grow up with a, with a real Christian father. And so I really gravitated towards my pastor. I had gone to high school with his own, with his sons. Um, it had come out that he'd been having an affair. And he'd been having an affair with my mentor, who was also on staff. Not Anne, but another woman. Oh. It was just like one of those brutal, like, oh my gosh, my world is shaken. Everything that I thought was real is not real. Everything that I thought, you know, even about God was like skewed right. a little bit. Because it was, I really gravitated towards this man as a spiritual leader, maybe probably too much, not enough dependence on God. Um, but through that experience of walking through that, being on staff and how brutal that whole experience was, ultimately it was the catalyst to me finally sharing my story more publicly because it was basically saying every person, no matter what gender, no matter what creed they belong to, they can struggle with sexual brokenness. And this is a real thing. We can't be so secretive and be so without accountability that we're just wreaking havoc in our lives. And so I kind of went to our director of counseling on staff. And I said, Hey, I know we have all these recovery or like kind of counseling groups on, you know, at the church. And I would love to start one for women who struggle with pornography. And of course he's looking at me like, cause I, he, he's known me since I was like 15 and he, um, my, my, my 24 at this, at this time. And he's like, what on earth do you know about that? <laughs> you know? So I had to like break out of my little, he knows me as a, as a sophomore thing and tell him my story. And it was so awkward, but, um, you know, but it became what it is. And that started like this, just the road of sharing my story at the same time I was blogging a lot. I hey, was hey well, let me interrupt you for a second. Sure. I, I just want to reflect something I hear there that I think is really powerful is you're, you're in an environment where a pastor is keeping secrets and, mm -hmm. and is actually, um, you know, doing things that are completely hypocritical, um, but not in alignment with his values and what he's preaching. And so, um, and you see that fall from grace and just all the secrets come out. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of you inside that says, 
there's brokenness is common that happens but i don't want to keep secrets i don't want to be in an environment where i'm presenting one thing and meanwhile on the inside there's all this other stuff exactly um, I, I totally connect with that um yeah when i got in recovery i was caught by my wife downloading porn and it was traumatic and but it was also this hidden secret that I'd carried for so long that I didn't want to go back to hiding. Mm -hmm. And whenever I relapsed or had struggles, it would it would feel like the old hiding pattern came back and the hypocritical thing. And I yes. I so much wanted to run from that that that's what made me run into recovery and even talking about my struggle. I just yeah. I never wanted to go back to that. I resonate with that so much because, you know, when I was first in, in recovery and really getting recovery under my belt, I was more like, thanks, Jesus, let's move on. You know, like it was just I didn't want to talk about it ever again. And yet when I would share my testimony or share my story, I'm leaving out like the greatest work that God did in my life. You know, I'm the greatest redemption part of my story. I'm leaving out because I'm so ashamed of it. Right. And I'm embarrassed about it. And instead of giving him the glory for it, I'm basically like, eh, let's, let's put that under the rug, you know? Right. Um, and so I was still deceiving people. I was still lying to people. I was omitting information about who I really am and, or who I really was. And I didn't want to do that anymore. So. Yeah, no. And I, I mean, it's funny. I've, I've worked with people who have come out of um, childhood sexual abuse mm -hmm. and, and it's traumatic. The boundaries are crossed. But one of the most traumatizing things is the secrets mm -hmm. and having to bear the secret. Um, yeah. And and when they, when those kind of folks get freedom, a lot of it is comes out of not carrying the secret anymore, not feeling like they have to take the shame and just carry it with them. Exactly. Uh, and and I feel like we have the same struggle. Um, when we're hiding, we're carrying that shame around with us in everything we do. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's amazing that that sort of that was the catalyst. Yeah. For as painful as that whole experience was, you know, I, and I wish it hadn't happened. Um, but it was also like you can see God's redemption in that. Like he used it, you know, pretty dramatically in my in my life to just make me, um, I guess, who I am today. So. You know, I see redemption in it also, you know, a lot of times when there's, um, you know, sexual problems in, in a church, you know, sometimes the first the first impulse of even seasoned leaders is to sweep things under the rug or try to keep it in house. But that always potentially, I think, has a harm to it yeah. because we don't get the chance to walk things out in the light and just be honest about what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, even when this stuff is exposed, I actually think this is a good thing. It's messy. Yeah. It sucks. It hurts people. But this is better than hiding and lying and, and sweeping things under the rug. Absolutely. Well, we'll get to the rest of our interview with Crystal Winnow in just a moment. Uh, but I wanted to take a break and just let you know that we're launching our new summer rev groups coming in July and registration is open. You can go to pornfreeradio.com slash rev to sign up. That's pornfreeradio.com slash rev. In the winter, I had some of the guys from rev 
just share a little bit about their experiences and I want to play it for you right now. I think the, the most powerful part of this whole thing is I got to know a group of guys who shared the same struggle, who absolutely love and care for each other and will pick up the phone and call each other and, and just wish each other well. And, you know, it's been really powerful for me to just have, be able to tell my story and not be, not worry about judgment, but just, you know, know that um, there's guys that relate and understand. I came into the group because I really hit rock bottom with a series of relapses and I found some of Matt's coaching material online and I immediately resonated with Matt's insights and his personality and his teaching style and I just thought wow what a great opportunity knowing that I'm with a bunch of other folks who are kind of struggling with the same thing and, and want to take that, that same journey uh, really put me at ease quickly the feeling that you're not alone. Sharing that with, with a community or tribe was really important. Knowing that I had a network of guys that I was accountable to really motivated me. I know like the big obstacle that was in my way was the, the cost, but then I, I sort of broke it down by month and even by meeting. When you do that, it's really not that bad. It's much less than like a conventional counselor. I, I have no regrets from, from the moment that I, I chose to sign up with it and just put it behind myself and say, we'll see um, you know, what awaits me for these next 10 weeks. And, and I'm so glad that I made that decision. Coming into this group with you know, maybe a week of sobriety, of uh, being porn free, I'm six, over six months porn free now and, and uh, having a great time doing it. You feel so good after you do this. And I've, it's something I've looked forward to every, every Thursday night for the past 10 weeks. And, Really disappointed when it's over uh, at the end of the night, so I think you will not regret it, and it'll be totally worth your while. All right, guys. All right, see you guys. Inside. See you guys. <laughs> see ya. Once again, the deadline to apply for Rev for the summer is June 23rd, so go to pornfreeradio.com slash rev. That's pornfreeradio.com slash rev to sign up for Rev Groups. All right, let's get back to our interview. I don't want you to, to come on Porn for Radio without getting some of your thinking and expertise. And one thing that you've been writing about and thinking about recently is just identity and how we how we move forward from being in addiction and being in recovery and redefine our identity. Tell me a little bit about how you what what identity means to you and how it's affected you in your life. Yeah, I mean, you can look at what identity actually stands for and, or is defined as, and it's about the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. And that's like the dictionary definition of identity. Um, and so many of us tend to, and this is true of me, tend to identify ourselves not by who we are at our innermost being, but identify ourselves by a behavior an insecurity we have, some, um, even things that have been done to us, um, we tend to identify by. You can even talk about, you know, hi, I'm Crystal and I'm an addict instead of hi, I'm Crystal and I'm a Christian or I'm, you know, a daughter of God or I'm a daughter or I'm a sister um, instead of being this um, negative thing. That's where I kept talking when I was talking about even starting, you know, ministry that in this way, it was always like, well, this is for this is for pornography addicts, you know. And I was, and I just, and for some reason, for me, it was like I hated to label them right off the bat, like they are an addict, 
because I feel like we're so much more than what we struggle with. And I wanted to somehow redefine identity into something that could be, that we could identify as something positive instead of something negative. And how do we get to that, that, that place about ourselves? I totally relate to that too. I mean, even when I started the podcast, I was trying to think of how can I, how can I say who this is for, yeah. but not label people? <laughs> And, uh, and what I, the way I landed on it was I wanted to mm-hmm. reach motivated guys who wanted to quit looking at porn. So it was the idea of they're motivated guys yeah. and they want to stop a behavior, which seemed to be that that's not like you're a addict, you're <laughs> completely almost, you're a broken person. It's that you have a behavior you don't like and you want to eliminate and but the idea of motivated was this idea of someone who has come to the idea that they need a change. Absolutely. And I think that shows you're already there's there's an awareness that you have you are you are uh, powerless to what you're struggling with and you're admitting that. And to me that shows strength and it shows bravery. Um because so many times when we think about addicts they think oh I'm so weak or I can't help myself. Or I can't, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. And it's like, well, you're already by, by, by going on Google and saying help for pornography addiction or help for my help to stop watching porn. You're already empowering yourself to overcome what you're, what you say you are, you know, so there's already strength in that there's bravery in that there's hope in that. And I think that when we can get beyond the label of addict and into something more like, you know, I am, even powerlessness is not a bad thing. Saying that you're powerless means you're relinquishing control. And that's a good thing too. So, you know, I just wish that people would get beyond these labels that actually make them more susceptible to falling again and failing again. Because it's sort of this continued cycle that if you're once an addict, you're always an addict. And it's just this cycle that keeps on spinning. And I think that ends up being cumbersome to real true recovery. Yeah, it seems to me uh, the one thing I've seen is guys and and, and they don't always generate. I don't think people always use the word addict, but they've almost resigned themselves to um, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a mistaken belief. I'm not good enough or I'm um I, I, here's one. I, I heard this recently. The mistaken belief, I'm bad with discipline. They just take this this, yeah. this idea of this mistaken belief that I'm bad with discipline. And so when they're faced with the choice, you know, or when they're faced with trying to set up good structures for themselves in recovery, deep down they're taking on this persona of i'm bad with discipline i'm a guy who can't do discipline Mm -hmm. and i think what it is crystal and is it's that agreement with that identity that's the thing that undermines recovery 100 percent. it's it's like it's not just that you say hey i'm an addict um, like you're trying to be humble or connected. It's, it's, Hey, I'm an addict. So therefore I can't recover or Absolutely. I'm always struggling. I'm always going to struggle. 
mm-hmm. this is always going to be overwhelming for me. Uh, or I, the, you know, like the guy who said, I don't have discipline. It's like, I don't have discipline, so therefore I can't follow a plan. Or I can't make phone calls. Or I can't set up the software on my computer because I don't like discipline. Yeah. Um, or I'm not good at discipline. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. There is so much of, there's so much ownership with labels. And so you're talking about, you could even call yourself, you know, I am a, a, I don't know, even a pastor is a bad label (laughs) sometimes, you know, because it's like you, you're expected to be a certain way or, or you're expected to act a certain way, behave a certain way. Um, and in so many ways, sometimes you're being, you're set up for failure because of that. But honestly, I mean, I know where it's, you know, scripture says that, you know, pastors are supposed to live above reproach and that's important. But I also think sometimes we think that, you know, leaders can't fail and can't be human. Um, and so there's, there's all kinds of labels we can put on ourselves that, um, set us up for failure. I mean, you mentioned a couple ways we can identify ourselves and one that I, was thinking about is a lot of times, especially guys struggle with this is, is identifying a role that we play. Mm-hmm. So the pastor, for example, very invested in this role of being pastor and at the exclusion sometimes of honesty or, you know, um, self care or other types of things that are going on inside. It's hard to be honest about mm-hmm. what's coming up. Um, you know, a favorite quote that I have is the increasingly whole person is free to be honest about ongoing brokenness, ongoing uh, struggles. Yeah. You know, when you meet a leader who's really connected and, and integrated, you know, they'll share a weakness. They'll share something that they're struggling with. They don't have to hide it. They're not invested in this role so much that they can't bring you into something they're struggling with. But when you see a leader who tries to present an image like nothing bothers them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, my radar is always up. If I, I never trust a pastor without a limp. Um, Absolutely. Because if it's too good to be true, it's usually too good to be true. You know, there's, there's, yeah. a, there's something hiding. So we can definitely get stuck by the role, um, whether, you know, with guys, it's, you know, it's being the dad, being the, the, you know, whatever, being the pastor, being a leader, getting hung up in that kind of, you know, for a lot of guys that struggle with porn, it's being the good boy. They, they present a role that they're the, they're the good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing with women. It's like, we are good, godly women. We are pure. We are virtuous. We, you know, we would never look at a man in lust, <laughs> you know, like there's this, this idea that we're not, we're not supposed to, or we're not allowed to. And so it's, and so that's, a huge part of it, especially as, as Christian women, because it's, we, we're, we're not empowered in the church to be sexual beings, even, but not of course in the right context, but like even in marriage, we're not empowered to be like strong sexual women. Like it's just please your husband. It's a lack of modeling. I think people are uncomfortable talking about sex. So it, it, which is it, ironic because God created sex, right? He loves it. It's beautiful. He created it to be something that was not just for having babies, but to be something that was for pleasure and to worship is an act of worship. And 
I don't understand why the church decided how long, however long ago it was that we can't talk about something that God created. It's like we talk about the heavens and the earth, and we talk about the animals and the sea, and we talk about, you know, let, let there be light. Well, he created man, and he created woman for man, and it was because they were sexual beings. Like, ugh. <laughs> you know, years ago, uh, when I first started my ministry, my pastor wanted to do a, a sexuality series, a Christian sexuality series. And he luckily, he met with me before he did it because he wanted to do it like kind of a hot topic series. You know, like whatever topics were big at the time, he was just going to do one week on each. And I said, why don't you, why don't you spend some time building a framework for healthy sexuality and, and what God's, how God created us and, you know, kind of build it. So he ended up going from a five-week hot topic series to 10 weeks. And it had some fundamental foundational teaching about our need to be loved and the image of God and all sorts of great stuff. So he does it. People loved it. It was great. Uh, it's the most downloaded uh, stuff on their on their on their uh, podcast for years. It's still the most downloaded series, and it was done like 10, 10 years ago. Anyway, every once in a while, we'd be at a meeting, and someone a church meeting, and someone would say, "Hey, when are you going to do another sexuality series?" And my pastor, who's a great guy, but you know, kind of a pastor in some ways, he said, "Well, I already <laughs> did it." He goes, go listen to the podcast from 2004. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like, we did that. Yeah, we well, talked about porn on November 3rd, 1989. Exact, we did it already. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm like, it drove me nuts because, you know, here we were doing our ministry every week and I had hurting people coming to me every week. And I'm like, this is an issue. This is a 2014 issue, not, not a 2004 issue. Hey, I want to circle back to a couple of things. You talked about some ways that we identify ourselves. Walk me through a couple of these things. Uh, we just talked about this idea of a role we play, but what about a behavior? How do we identify ourselves as a behavior? What are some examples of that? Well, I can just speak for myself um, and just how I used to identify myself. Um, I would identify myself as a behavior, which of course was addiction. I was an addict and I believed I was and I was always going to be one and um, the longer I kept that label the longer I struggled with it um, and so for me that's like the behavior but I also think that behavior can be other things um, for some reason I can't think of other behaviors right now <laughs> but there's, there's other ones out there um, but you know any kind of behavior that you're not that you're not proud of it could be something like even not, not just even addiction, it can be like I, a behavior can be like I'm, I'm, I'm lustful of women in general, or I am, um, hypersexual I, I, or hypersexual, yeah. I, or whatever. Um, doesn't have to be a sexual behavior. For some reason, I can't think of something outside of sexual behavior. It's right like now. we, we, but, we started our podcast and we're talking about sexual behaviors and now we can't think of anything else, but yes, exactly. But yeah. Um, and I'm struggling now too. So it's so funny. So I, I, on the postscript of this show, I'm going to list off five behaviors. Other cause behaviors? Because I'll yeah. think about it as soon as we stop recording. Oh, well, let's move to another one. You mentioned an insecurity. What's an example yeah. of that? Um, for me, I was always really, really insecure about my weight. Um, and so I, and I, I started to eat compulsively as a child um, out of just um, abandonment kind of issues. And I was kind of left alone a lot. And so... 
food was a comfort for me. Um, and so, and of course I haven't seemed to be able to lose that weight yet, even though I'm not eight years old anymore, but, um, the whole idea of just, of just having that insecurity of, of I'm overweight, people aren't going to take me seriously. Um, they're going to think, oh, well, you're supposed to be a good Christian and your temple is terrible. And then there's like, you know, all these things too. And so I get, I was really insecure about that. And there's also insecurity of being single. Right. Oh yeah. That's you know, a big one. especially in ministry because it's, oh, not just single, but a single woman. Yeah. Boy, I was um, going to say that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so like me speaking about sexual things, people are like, what do you know? You're a single Christian woman. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, how dare you tell me how my marriage bed should be? Um, you know, so there's all kinds of things like that, too, that I I even I still struggle with that insecurity. But then I also know, well, God appointed me to do this. So I'm secure in that. Um, you know, so I'm not really worried about that one so much anymore. Um so it could, so insecurity could be like body image. It could be not feeling good enough as a man or a woman. Inadequacies. Uh, it, yeah. um, Comparing yeah. yourself to others, um, that type of thing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. What about fi the final one you mentioned was something that was done to us? Right. Um, and that could be a multitude of things, unfortunately. That could be um, abuse as a child. It could be somebody cheated on you at some point in a relationship. Um, it could be um, <clears throat> you were wrongfully terminated from a job. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can be something that was done to us. And so, like, let's, let's say, let's talk about the termination one. It's like, okay, you're terminated, you're terminated from a job, and so now you you think, I'm not good enough for a job like that or one better than that. And it's like, now you have a label of, well, look, see, I wasn't good enough. They let me go. They didn't give me a good enough. They didn't give me a good reason. So it must just have been me. Yeah. That they didn't, they didn't like me. Yeah. That's um, a good, that it's so interesting. You mentioned that one. I, I got laid off a couple of years ago from my corporate job and it was one of those, it was a really nice, like they gave me a package, they were um, nice about it, but I left feeling rejected. Yeah. And I had to just really use a lot of tools to go, this isn't my identity. I'm, I'm not a rejected yes. person. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you leave a place that you've been out a long time, one of the things that I realized was, man, I all of a sudden, Monday I was in the club and on Tuesday I'm out mm -hmm. of the club. Yeah. Like I can't even go to the to where I worked anymore because I don't have an ID and I can't get in and and yeah. it was just that feeling I was I had to really do a lot of heart work on that feeling of rejection even though it was a good thing for me in life mm -hmm. I mean it allowed me to do this full time and and a lot of the things I've been able to do in in my business and in working with guys and helping people. It's been an amazing thing. I could never have done what I did if I had this full-time job, but still I walked around with that rejected label and, well, and had even, to let it go. Yeah. yeah. And even with like, let's say you worked at this job for 30 years and then you were let go. Your whole identity is in your job right? and who you were in that role. It goes back to having your role being in your identity. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're not the, the tax accountant. That was your job, but that's not who you are. 
you know, and basically getting lost in the identity of role as well when you're talking about losing a, losing a job and having that kind of difficult transition and realizing like, yes, that's what you did for 30 years, but that's not who you are. As I'm kind of hearing you talk about this, part of it is an awareness. Like what identities am I carrying? Mm-hmm. Either false identities or negative identities. Which ones am I agreeing with? Which Where am I getting my worth? Yes. Uh, is part of it. How do we transition, just as recovering people, how do we transition into redefining identity and, and moving towards that whole identity that, that I think you're hinting at? What? How do you yeah. make that transition? Well, I think that there, there's a saying that says you are what you eat. And I think that there's another one that I can make up that's that basically you are what you believe you are. Um, and so you become that you, you become what you believe that you are. And so you're talking about your, that your, your, the guy you talked to who said he was bad discipline. If you believe that, that's what you're going to be. Um, and so I think for transitioning from a negative belief into a positive belief, you have to start identifying with something positive, finding something about yourself, as hard as it may be that you can say, I am this, I am this positive thing. Um, for me, um, with just the things that I walked through with, you know, sexual brokenness, understanding that I was forgiven was kind of the first word that I began to identify with saying that because just because I went through something like this doesn't mean that I've fallen so far from grace and so far from God's love that that's not also forgiven. And so for me, it was about believing that I was forgiven um, even if I sin again tomorrow, I, I'm still forgiven. I still have to repent, of course, and, and, and all that. But I, at my core, who I am, I am a forgiven person. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a forgiven soul. Um, and basically living that out is what became very, very important to me. Instead of saying I am broken or I am dirty or I am unloved or I am not good enough, my identity, my identity became I am forgiven. And then from there, it transitioned more to um, things like I am, I am chosen, like God chose me, or I have friends who chose me. I have people who saw me, saw something in me that was worth choosing. Um, and so knowing that I was chosen became really a, a positive thing um, and, and just stuff like that. And so really kind of getting to like contemplating on who you are. At your, at your innermost core, identifying something positive about yourself, and then basically meditating on that truth about who you are is how you change the way you see yourself and ultimately the way you identify yourself. Yeah, I think that's so true. I, I definitely, I mean, the, one of the most popular types of, I, I don't know, common self-help teachings is the idea of like, as you think there you are and and Mm -hmm. what you put your focus on is who you become i mean that's um uh that's been repeated by i mean it's in scripture but it's also been repeated by tony robbins and you know every a lot of gurus and stuff Mm -hmm. but there's something to that of what you're focusing on is what you become is is such a big truth and we have as we start to take ownership of recovery, uh, we get to choose where we're going. And Absolutely. so just like the example of uh, I'm not good at discipline, you know, a lot of times I say, well, if you're agreeing with that belief right now, what 
is the truth? You know, what's what's a diff, what's a truth that you can agree with that's more healthy? Yes. And it might be better to say, hey, historically, I'm not good with discipline, but I can thrive with some healthy structure or I can I can work a plan mm-hmm. um, if I set it out. Yeah. I can follow through um, with this thing if I do it this way. Like that's one thing I had to realize is I, um, you know, I woke I went through life kind of with that. I'm not disciplined. Uh, but then I would have a, a project at work that had a good team and had a, um, a deadline and a plan. And all of a sudden I did a ton of work. Well, how did it happen? Well, it was because the structure was something I could function in and mm-hmm. I just rose to the occasion. So I learned that if I had the right structure, I could follow through. Absolutely. And so a better thing for me would say is, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a disciplined person, but I can thrive in structure or I can uh, recover if I have this piece in place. Mm-hmm. I think guys, a lot of times that I work with and probably women you work with have the same kind of thing is they have this internal compass that's that kind of either they feel like they're not living in alignment with their values by what they're doing. You know, I've worked with guys who are Christians. I work with guys from other faiths. I work with guys who would consider themselves agnostic or atheist. But even when the atheist is saying, I'm doing things that aren't in alignment of my values, like there's this internal sense that they are out of out of alignment. So I'll say, well, what mm-hmm. are the values that you're moving towards? Like, what yes. is the, what, what do you want to be? How do you want to be known? And when they start... I've heard guys from all different faiths identify that they want to be a person of integrity in the sense of they want their inside to match their outside. They want to be integrated. Well, that would be a better thing to say rather than saying, I'm an addict, I'll never change. Saying a statement like, I want to be an integrated person. I want to be whole. Mm -hmm. I want wholeness in my life. You know, that's a better thing. Wholeness means that, hey, you're, you're taking some of these things that are uncomfortable, some of these things that are messy, and you're integrating them into the whole person. You know, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I have these things, but I'm I'm moving towards wholeness. Yes, absolutely. And I I think about that too because I one of the first things I ask a client or a woman I work with it's where does your moral code come from? Like, is it something that you were taught, you know, as a child in church, something that your parents instilled in you, something you created for yourself? Because honestly, until you like own that, like you own what your own moral code is, you're not going to be able to overcome anything, you know, of a sexual nature until you really understand like where it is that comes from and that you, and that you own it for yourself. Because if you're doing it for someone else, if you're doing it for a spouse, if you're doing it for your kids, if you're doing it for, because you're your boss found out and he said, if you watch porn at work again, you're fired. You're you're going to fail. It has to be something that you own for yourself. Um, and that is something that, that you really want. And so those kind of goals talking about what is your moral goal or your moral goal or what, what, what value system are you trying to get to? And that being like your, your ultimate goal will help you ultimately to begin to make the better choices. Right. I totally, I totally agree. I mean, one of the things we talk about on Porn Free Radio about is your why. And and your why yeah. comes from 
exactly what you're saying. It's it's your internal desire uh, to be born free. That's not coming from an external message, but it's coming from your own lack of, of lack or your own discomfort with how you're living yes. and with the the misalignment of what's going on and what you are getting energy to move towards. You know, for me, my why is I had this lie that I agreed with that I was unlovable. And so, Mm -hmm. right. And so I was sick and tired of feeling unlovable and going through life as someone who was unlovable and what I was moving towards, what I'm, you know, what I want more of in my life is wholeness, being integrated, being known, right? And so right. when I'm faced with temptation, even today, let's say this thing comes up that I want to watch on TV that is is tapping into the old addiction. The question for me is, am I moving towards agreeing with the lie that I'm unlovable, that this image, this TV show, uh, this... Uh, this thing at the bottom of my Facebook feed is going to somehow affirm me or help me or numb me or whatever. Am I agreeing that I'm unlovable and I want to go to this thing that makes me feel better? Or am I yielding to the greater desire of, hey, I want wholeness. I want to be known. I want the real intimacy. Uh, And so I'm turning the TV off or calling my accountability partner not because I'm rule following, not because I'm just wanting to cut myself off from pleasure. I'm doing it because I want wholeness and I want to be known and I don't want to go yeah. back to hiding. I want yeah. what I say I'm wanting. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's totally great. So good. I was, yeah. I was learning well, stuff. It's, it's so awesome good. to talk to you. Like I really feel you definitely know what it's like to put yourself out there wear the p card on your on your sleeve when you show up at parties and when you show up when you get on stage to speak at a church and uh so i really appreciate what you're doing you're really doing frontline work and i really appreciate that you're committed to sharing your story and sharing hope with others thank you very much i mean i yeah that's really humbling to hear you say that and um i'm i'm just thankful i i never am i <laughs> wildest dreams thought this would be what I'm doing with my life but um I can't think of much else that I'd rather do so that's that's this is what I am now well and as we wrap up there's been women who've listened to porn free radio since the beginning for help with pornography and you are a really safe woman who know who gets it like the biggest Mm -hmm. like even when you shared your story about when you first came clean you came clean because someone else got it. They they put it out yeah. there. And so you get it. You're safe. You have great tools. And so as a woman, if you're struggling with this, you know, Crystal is a person to reach out to and to connect with. And Crystal does coaching like I do and, and will work with you one-on-one. And I, I just think like it's an incredible service that you're offering in the sense of there is that feeling of being alone in pornography and then throw being a woman a part of it too or a christian woman it's just Mm -hmm. it's so isolating and so um, you would just be a great resource to tap into and i want to i'm going to link to your your um how to connect with you on my show notes and stuff crystal renault 
is is your last name and it's hard to spell for people right yes no it's it's ridiculous because <laughs> it looks like renaud or renaud right. <laughs> and so people are like how do you spell your name um, exactly so but- so I, it must be something to, to, you know, leading people in porn recovery. You know, Matt Dopshoots. No one knows how to spell that yes. either. So Yes. I actually, actually, after we talked the other day, I went and bought a domain name that was different. I can't find, like, Coach Crystal. They're all taken. But, like, I just went ahead and bought Redefining Identity. Oh, wonderful. At redefiningidentity.com, you know, so they can go there if they want to. It'll just redirect to my site. And don't worry about spelling it. <laughs> Great. Well, I well I'll definitely link to it in the show notes and uh, and uh, boy, it's just so cool to connect with you. You know, we I, I've as I said, I've so, sort of followed you on Twitter, um, and uh, so it's cool to actually put a name with a face and yeah, really hear your heart for this. Yeah, thank you. And, and going back to what you were saying about you know my opportunity to go second, talking about my story. I, I honestly can't imagine where I would be if I hadn't had that opportunity and how f- much further I would have gone down the rabbit hole, so to speak, if I hadn't had that intervention and that, and that, and then that opportunity to come clean. Um, and so for me, and I almost, I consider it a badge of honor and, and, a, and a glorious obligation to share my story so that women know they're not alone. Well, that was fun. I loved having Crystal on and uh, getting to meet her. That was the first time I'd actually really talked with her uh, outside of the Twitter universe. And so it was cool to actually put a a voice uh, with a a face, so to speak. And um, it was cool to talk to her. I'm going to link to her in the show notes at pornfreeradio.com slash 118. CrystalRenault.com is her, her coaching address. And then she also... Uh, runs dirtygoalsministries.com. And so either way, you can find her through those two places. I'll link to both of them. And uh, boy, she was just awesome to talk to. And I can't wait to have her on again. All right, guys, if you have any uh, questions for me, feel free to send them an email, matt at pornfreeradio.com. As always, let me know if anything I need to keep private, uh, just in case I want to read your letter on the air. All right, guys, take hope, take action. And have a great week. Be good. Thanks for listening to Porn Free Radio at pornfreeradio.com. To work with Matt one-on-one, go to pornfreeradio.com forward slash coaching and help us get the word out by subscribing to Porn Free Radio in iTunes and leaving a rating and review.